0: You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness today. I am interviewing two amazing integrative practitioners to discuss a whole body approach to mental wealth and healing. And I can't wait to introduce you to them. First, I'm going to introduce you to Rachel Bevilacqua. She is the vice president of Sonari today. She has a master's degree in clinical counseling from Philadelphia college of osteopathic medicine and is a personal trainer. Her passion for combining revolutionary therapy techniques, food and movement comes from her experience as an athlete coach and clinician. So welcome Rachel to the show. Yeah. And we have Dr. Kate Henry here as well. She is the director of functional medicine at Sonare. Kate's study of nutrition, botanicals, and lifestyle medicine allows her to offer unique expertise in cutting edge solutions for mental and physical health conditions, including depression, anxiety, insomnia, ADHD, and more. She's passionate about doing the medical detective work to help people find their root cause and becoming free of the things that are holding them back. So Dr. Kate, thanks for being on the show. So pumped to
1: be here. Thanks for having us.
0: So I'm just going to ask a general question um, and either one of you can answer this, but why would we combine functional medicine with therapy to get results for mental health?
2: I'm going oh, to for that say, one. Where do we start? Where do we start? <laughs> I mean, I guess the biggest answer to that question is you can do all the therapy you want, but if the brain and body are not functioning, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do all the right skills, you can work out, you can eat, you know, whatever it might be. But if you're not eating for your wellness and you're not taking care of what's underlyingly going on, then that's, you know, that's not a big thing that Kate and I work together on a lot is really getting under the hood, if you will, to be able to do that work first so that anything that I do with them actually sticks. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we think of the traditional model to approaching mental health issues would be medication, maybe sleep some more. Maybe you could try eating a little bit better. That's popping up a little bit more in the language now, but really it's just meds and sleep. How, how do you feel that that is working? Why do you think that there are, is a need for something else? Maybe Dr. Kate, you can answer that.
1: Oh my gosh. Where do we start? Okay. (laughs) So, okay. Let's take a minute and appreciate that. Like those things have worked for a lot of people, right? Therapy and meds can work in really acute situations. And for people for whom the root cause is therapy related or a severe chemical imbalance that can't be fixed quickly with food. But for a lot of people, that's not their story. They've got a nutrient deficiency that's in the way. They've got thyroid issues that are making them tired and depressed. They've got a food allergy that's causing them to have like really disordered relationships with food and even food addiction. And so we are all about the root cause. We don't want to treat symptoms. We want to treat the root cause. And so what that requires is a really in-depth, investigative, holistic approach. When we find the root cause, we treat it, whatever it is. And we're equipped to do that here because we can do everything, mind, body, spirit.
0: Absolutely. So what would that look like for somebody who say has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Because that was rare for a while, but now seems to be popping up a lot more. A lot more people are being diagnosed with this, maybe because the antidepressants aren't working the way they thought they would. So what could be
1: going on for somebody that has that diagnosis? So many things. Um, So what the first thing I love to say when people come in with a disorder like bipolar, one of the most important things to recognize is how good it can sometimes feel to be hypomanic or manic if you have spent most of your life severely depressed. (laughs) We start there, right? Because a lot of times people come in and they are afraid. They have been put on sedating meds since their diagnosis. It gave them side effects. They weren't happy. And it's why they're coming here because they still don't feel complete and whole. Mm -hmm. And so we start there by first just getting to know the person in front of us and what their desire is. Right? What do you want to fix? Do you want to feel more stable? Do you need more energy? Do you need more calm? And we're going to address that. So rather than looking at like, what's your label, what's your diagnosis? We start with a really comprehensive look at their whole health. So their history, you know, do they have trauma? How are they sleeping? How are they eating? We run an 80 data point nutrient analysis on people's diets just to see like, have you eaten any antioxidants in the last 10 years? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because if not, you know, like you're probably dealing with some neuroinflammation. Do you have an autoimmune disorder that's creating a lot of havoc in your nervous system? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to start to focus on, you know, blood work as well. So we want to dig deeper, you know, looking at every system of the body. And then we're going to determine what interventions they need. And some of the most powerful interventions that we've got for folks with bipolar are the antioxidant therapies, things like N acetylcysteine, for example omega-3s, a balanced diet, keeping your brain just really nourished with stable blood sugar levels all day long. Um, So we do that, but then we also have a very highly personalized therapy approach that Rachel's team heads up.
2: Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, like, to what Kate's point is, is we want to really look at what the client experience is, not just what the label is, because by bipolar has, you know, a systematic way of describing itself in the DSM-5, right? With symptoms and you kind of check them all off, but why, why is it manifesting that way? Is there something in your diet? Is it the medication that you're on? Is it the environment which you live in? Are those things taking a toll in your experience? And that is why you're presenting these symptoms or it's manifesting in such a way that's been diagnosed with bipolar. So we don't want to jump to the conclusion. We want to really ask those questions of what does this actually look like for you? And then to Kate's point, if we can tackle some of the underlying things, and maybe target them a little bit differently, then my interventions that I'd be doing with them might be a little bit different as opposed to let's just focus on the mood. Let's work on the dysregulation. Let's really target that when it might not be that at all. That could be a side effect of something. Um, So really coming at it from all angles, as opposed to chicken or the egg makes a difference.
0: Yeah. That's so important because, and I don't know if typically we see a lot of therapists talking about root causes. It's really just like, here is the Other than, you know, trauma, trauma is a root cause. And I know that that's a big, big contributing factor, but, um, I I don't often hear that approach of like, let's look at nutrients and all of these other things that are going on. And so I think that that is definitely important because we have people with all sorts of things going on and all sorts of different medications and diets and, or, you know, or not eating at all, you know? So there's, there's a lot that affects people right now that needs to be looked at.
2: Mhm so like And I think that goes for all diagnoses. I know we're really focused on bipolar right now, but, you know, even other ones that pop up a lot, like anxiety and depression. I mean, I think those are overdiagnosed as well. ADHD is another one. And I think the way that we can approach that a little bit differently is again, what is your experience? And then what's your day to day? Like, how are we contributing to that? And not in a, in a blame way of like, what are you doing wrong, but are we doing things to reinforce particular presentations? And are there other things that we can be doing? And a lot of what we strive to do is educate people so that they can feel and Empowered to make new decisions as opposed to let's see if this medication works, go take this worksheet home and try out these skills. It's like, ugh. we mm-hmm. want, we want them to come in and feel different when they're with us right now in a way that's sustainable when they leave, because the goal is not to be in therapy or to see doctors forever, right? That should hopefully be a maintenance plan.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, you mentioned the DSM and the DSM, we are those who are categorizing people or giving a diagnosis, it's from a list of symptoms. There's not really a a lab test that goes, Oh yeah, that's a bipolar brain. You know, there's not, we don't have that. We're looking at a list of symptoms for, you know, manic for this amount of time, depressed for this amount of time, same thing for anxiety. And, you know, I've often joked with not joked. I I don't want to take this lightly at all. This is super serious, but My husband is one who he's looked at the checklist of bipolar symptoms. He's like, well, I could have been that yesterday, just based on the stress that was in my life, you know? And so it's hard when we're looking at symptom diagnoses instead of going, well, what is driving those symptoms? And it sounds like that's what you guys are really getting at. What is below the symptoms?
1: Right. And what's most bothersome to the client, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the first things I do when somebody sits in front of me is say like, okay, I went through your paperwork. I you. Gotcha. Thanks for filling that out. How do you want to use our next hour? What is most important for you to be healed? Mm-hmm. And it might be irritability. It might be insomnia. It may be constipation, mm-hmm. whatever it is, we're going to start there. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of where like the healing happens That people start to feel a little bit like they're in the driver's seat again particularly when you have a mental health issue, I think that's so empowering and so important to say, like, I'm here for you. You tell me, what do you want? I will get you there. And the outcome is always better health. But when you start by putting the client in the driver's seat, I think you get much better outcomes. And we try to do
2: that here. Yeah. I don't think they ask themselves that question a whole lot. So like people ask themselves, you know, are you thriving today? And which is something we like to ask all the time. Like, is that something that you're experiencing? Cause most people don't come to us until they're suffering. And I think that's a really important message to get out to people is like, you don't have to suffer first. You just might not be at maximum capacity. Maybe you aren't at a place where you feel like you're just thriving on a daily basis. And maybe that's a problem. You know, we're not here to diagnose a problem. That's not a problem to you, but most of the time you're coming because there's something that's maybe not quite too far the way that you want it to be. And then to, you know, to Kate's point, let's explore that a little bit. Maybe instead of looking at, I want to get rid of these things. Well, if you weren't constipated, you weren't struggling with insomnia, what would exist? Well, maybe I'd be happier. Maybe I would have more energy. Maybe I would, you know, not isolate and and integrate myself with other people more, you know, and really having a goal to work towards, as opposed to trying to get rid of things um, is another angle that we tend to take.
0: Yeah. I think that's what you're saying is it's very individualized and typically, you know, we see People with the labels, the diagnoses, it's like, oh, well, all bipolar disorder looks like this, or all depression looks like this, all anxiety looks like this. And that's not the case. If you know one person with bipolar disorder, you only know one person with bipolar disorder. Like that's it. True for any other mood disorder, like it, it just shows up differently for everybody because we're all so beautifully unique. So I think that it's, this day and age, we have to take this approach. I think it's mandatory. And so that just makes, I just get so excited that you guys are even going in that direction and, and looking at that. So what else other than, you know, we've got the naturopathic medicine, we have therapy, what else does Sonare offer?
2: So we also offer coaching, which is really helpful in kind of aiding people along in the process because Kate might, you know, give them several supplements, for instance, that might really help regulate them. But taking a pill every morning or 10 or whatever is maybe really challenging. And so somebody that maybe will help coach you, or maybe I'm telling them different exposure exercises to try to do to really, you know, bring the experience from inside my room to the real world. We have a coach that can, you know, count, keep you accountable for that. So over a week duration, they check in with you over an hour's to length of time, just to check in to see how you're doing, maybe help integrate any of the skills that you're learning and make sure that it's actually changing, right? Because if you come in and you feel better in this office, that's great. But if that's where it ends, then, you know, you just came to hear me preach. And that's, that's not what we're here for. You're here to change your life outside of here um, and to live past that. So, you know, coaching is something we've offered or we do offer. Um, We have Thrive University, which is workshops for the community. So again, if you don't have a diagnosis, but you're maybe not thriving, that's kind of for that perfect in between to really help, you know, do you want to learn more about organization or do you want to learn how to, you know, cook food for a good budget or whatever it might be. So that's kind of another piece that we add in. Um, therapy is kind of like a whole sector of its own. So we have anywhere from outpatient one-on-one family or marriage counseling to IOP and partial so, depending on the severity or the amount of support that you might need, would depend on which you know um, level of care that you get referred to. So, IOP is a step up from individual, which is a four-day a week group counseling, um, and then partial is a day program, so that's five days a week um, for about four hours a day. Um, so, again, wow. depending on what level of support that you need and how much accountability. Um, another reason you might want to do higher level of care is maybe because you're sick of just waiting, you know, going to one session and then waiting a week and then doing another session and waiting a week. Like maybe you're ready to just hit the ground running and you want to do it more of a fast track and you're just like, Hey, I'm taking vacation for two weeks. Like, can I come in and just bang out and learn what I need to learn? Because again, our goal is to educate. It's to empower you so that you have these tools and you can do what you want. Why do we have to, you know, do this over a year in duration? when We can do it so much faster than that, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so you're giving people the tools to be their own health advocate and to be their own detective in their health, instead of just saying, well, this is what it is. And this is how it's going to be. That's what I was told, you know, this is back in 1999. It's like, well, you're just going to struggle for this with this for the rest of your life. And you're going to be on medication for the rest of your life, which was not true. And now I have to add this in. I, I add this in maybe every six months on the podcast, because I think certain people I interview will find this interesting, but I was diagnosed with mono the exact same month I was diagnosed with at the time, manic depressive illness. I was having a manic episode while (laughs) I had, mono, which that should have been looked at, you know, they missed it. That's a huge driver. Is that immune system dysfunction? So can we talk for a second? Maybe Kate, you can address this, the immune system, mental health connection that I think a lot of people are missing right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I honestly think the best, probably modern day example that we're still racing to catch up with in the research is pandas. So have you guys covered pandas yet on the podcast? You
0: know what? No, not really. So you go. (laughs)
1: Okay. Pandas are the cute, like bear, right? We're thinking of those animals, but pandas is actually an acronym the way I'm using it for pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep, strep infections. So what happens with these kiddos is they are just like kiddos without mental health disorders, right? And their parents feel like they get a strep infection three days later, they have severe OCD, severe debilitating OCD. They can't drink water unless it's like bottled up. They're afraid it's poison. Like they have a lot of like tics and rituals and it's, it's like, it happens overnight and it's because of neuroinflammation that is kicked off by this infection, And so since learning about pandas, this has kind of really broadened the horizons in psychiatry and in in mental health care in general for people to start understanding that there is a link between neuroinflammation and neuropsychiatric symptoms of all types. And so I'm not at all surprised to hear that you were having some kind of like immune, inflammatory, viral infection at the same time you're also having acute mental health symptoms mm-hmm. our brains are an organ our run electricity like they're impacted by our immune systems anybody who's read brain on fire that's a yeah. really great read if you want to understand this yeah yeah mm-hmm. so absolutely like the immune system is very powerful and inflammation is a really powerful healing reaction acutely right like if you get a cut and it's infected You want your body to send white blood cells and and inflammatory mediators there to kill that infection and help that wound heal. You don't want that happening in your brain, and you definitely don't want it happening long term. And so we also know that anything that's anti-inflammatory, so antioxidants from the diet, even steroids, when we give people like a cortisol or a pack, basically, a steroid pack, a lot of you may have tried that at home. We can sometimes affect people's mental health by doing high doses of those things. And so inflammation is really a cornerstone of when we're looking at a chronic health disorder and mental health disorder, we're always looking for markers of inflammation and treating them if they're present.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. It's funny you mentioned the steroids. I actually, I had a friend one time tell me, she's like, gosh, I was prescribed steroids for whatever infection was going on. And I, my mental health, I feel amazing. I feel more clear than I ever have before. Now for me, I hate steroids. Don't put me on them. I will go crazy. Like I hate it, but for her, it really helped. I just thought. That is so interesting. So I, I love that you brought that up.
1: Mm-hmm. Choose to do some more root cause medical detective work. Let's <laughs> <For> go.
0: <sure>. And <laughs> yeah. right? it, it is, it's like a big puzzle. It's like peeling back the layers of an onion. And so when when you're talking about that, I know for some people, maybe that can seem a little bit overwhelming. Like maybe they're like, oh, I just want to be fixed. Why do we have to do all this hard work? So maybe you can explain how this can be a little more palatable for somebody who's unsure of what that would look like for them.
1: Okay. For me, I'm like, come in my chair or zoom me. Let me take care of you. All I'm going to do is ask you questions and I'm going to give you a plan. You go home and do it. If you don't want to take pills, we'll get it through food. If you don't want to do that, you'll get it through an IV. I am completely agnostic about how people get in the nutrients or whatever it is we need for them to heal. The whole point of the first appointment is for me to figure out what can you tolerate? What will you actually do? What do you enjoy? What's important to you? And then find you a custom plan to heal. If people are like, don't talk to me about the science, I can't handle it. We don't. Mm-hmm. For a lot of our folks, the science is healing. Because it removes the stigma, it removes the self-blame, it removes the shame. I'm
2: going to say it adds the validation, I think, big Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So really learning like the back end of what it is that they want, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that is our goal. We're not going to, again, put a diagnosis on you and then treat you based on that. It's to your point, what's the biggest issue that's coming up for you? And how can we navigate that? Most people don't know how. That's why they're coming to see us. So to Kate's point, we're going to lay out a plan for them, and they can say what they can do and what they can't do. And then our job is to respond with, OK, how can I? Because I think most people are wondering all the time, can I? And they're wondering if they even can, right? Our job is to say, yes, you can. And these are the ways that you can do it. Maybe we take it slower. Maybe we take it faster, depending on you know how they're responding So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that goes back to that individualization. So yeah, because I mean, we've got people coming in at all stages, or they've tried everything, and then then you have the people that truly have been like the functional medicine junkies for a while, and they've done all the tests, they've been on all of the supplements, they've done all of the diets, and they still feel awful. How do you support that person?
1: That's the only people I see. <laughs> I think yeah, but they come to me. Um, so medical detective work. So generally with those people, something has been missed. And usually it's diet. Um, and you know this better than anyone, right? So like you can be on all the pills and you can take all the tests and you can take all the supplements. Like if you haven't looked at your diet, truthfully looked, how much iodine are you getting? How much calcium? How much potassium? How many B vitamins? That is generally a big cornerstone or it's um, the absorption of those nutrients through digestion, right? So like my job is sometimes hundreds of pages. I'm going to go through that with them and then see what's been missed. And that's why we do a really comprehensive intake because what I don't want to do is spend the first hour I meet with someone when we you born, tell your family history. No, like fill that out online. Let me and the team look at it,
2: sometimes for an hour
1: before you even come in so that I have a good idea of what's been missed. And I can do that detective work. And then in the appointment, we're just coming up with a plan. I don't have to waste the client's time gathering data. I've already got it normally by the time they come in my office.
2: And then I think where my team comes in, as far as coming in from the mental health portion is what's your experience with all of this information? You know, it might be a lot of information have, and while it's a lot of good education to have, it could be overwhelming. So hence why Kate adjust her method of give you too much or do I just kind of, you know, taper it off, but what's your experience with it? You know, is taking these supplements, do you feel like it actually is shameful or is this empowering? you know, how are you experiencing that? And where I come in is really investigating that with the client and allowing them to just kind of sit with this process a little bit and to take it in as something that is life changing in a good way. Because a lot of people do come in with shame. They do come in with regrets. They do come in with a lifelong history of things not working. And now we're throwing something new at them that might be just as scary. And they're going to have those thoughts that are like, is this even going to work? Is this worth it? And a lot of this stuff takes time, right? It's not like a medication where, you know, give it two weeks and it's going to turn everything around, you know, sometimes stuff take longer, but they're sustainable. And that's the reason that we want to invest in maybe a more holistic approach so that maybe you don't get the side effects that you get from the medications that you've been taking, right? Maybe you feel like, oh, I don't like this food, so I can switch it up to this, right? You know, it it gives you the opportunity, it gives you the option. And again, the goal is, are you experiencing this way that's beneficial for you? What's the outcome? What's, what is it on your end? We can stare at labs all day long, but Kate only sees what she sees, right? That's why we have to ask those questions and be able to give feedback that way is super important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, Rachel, how often do you see, I think a big concern of mine in this day and age with over information, how often do you see people that have food fear or food stress about what to eat, what not to eat, what's going to mess up their progress, what's going to trigger an issue? Like, how does that play a role in, in the work that you do?
2: I mean, all the time, to be honest. So, in the very beginning of my career, I was, um, you know, I had a background in psychology and then I was really obsessed with learning all parts of the brain. And so, I really got into education around exercise and nutrition. So, I got certified in both to kind of be able to combine those together. So, when I, you know, started my counseling career, I kind of brought all of those together because. It can't just be about the way you think like you could think yourself into stuff sometimes but that's also not sustainable and my goal for my clients is not for them to ever have to challenge themselves every single day about how they think eventually the goal is to wake up and just think the way that you want to think and that's the, that's the goal right so how does exercise and eating play a role again what's your experience with it do you have trauma with either one of those more often than not my clients have trauma with one or both of those things therapy as well. And so really recognizing the stigma surrounding that and what their previous experiences is is really important. Doing some trauma work around that too. Like how was that experience then and what's the goal of it now? And I think that's a really good way that Kate and I have teamed up before is like normalizing that experience for them, recognizing this doesn't have to be the same and what might it look like and really painting that picture for them. Sometimes people have a block that they don't even know what that could look like or why that could be a positive thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Really navigating that fear is a big part of what we do. Um, Kate also has a background in mindfulness and being able to kind of address that with them in that moment too, which has been really powerful. And I think yeah. our, our focus here is on the micronutrients and nutrition by addition. So
1: really when we show people like the gaps, mm-hmm. that's what we're focused on. We're not focused on eat less of these things. Right. We're focused on, you need more of these nutrients and here's how you get them. How do we help you nourish yourself? Which is, you know, that's such a completely different paradigm than what pretty much any of our American patients have ever been exposed to when it comes (laughs) to talk. Yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think that's a huge, I guess, thing to point out though, our direction is action, right? So things to add, things to do more of. The more that you do the things that make sense that really fit into the goals, the less of those other things you do, the less of the things that are maybe not productive, right? Because you're so focused on, this is something that can be good for me. Let me do more of that. There's no time left to do the things that are maybe less helpful, and there doesn't need to be shame or associated with it because the goal can't be to stop something or else you're always gonna have to have a deadline, right? If I quit smoking, you can only quit smoking till the date and then you can start again. But did I eat what I needed to eat today? Yeah. Did I move today? Yeah. Did I interact with somebody today? Yeah. You can feel success and empowerment from that. And that's our goal is to add things and to fill your cup, not so much toss things out, I think. So I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah, no, that is, that is so spot on. And I think too, for people that have been medicated, so many, so many of the psychiatric meds cause weight gain and cause an inability to feel hunger or fullness cues. And that's very confusing for people. And it puts, you know, the body image issues and the shame that comes from that. And there's a lot of even rewriting that has to be done with that mindset toward food and what food is and what we get from food. And that, that takes a lot of work. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what a part of what we can do with diet here and what we stress to our patients is minimize side effects from the meds Mm -hmm. or get them to respond to the meds at a lower dose. So like, for example, you optimize somebody's zinc, they can require up to 37% less of a stimulant medication to manage their ADHD. That's going to result in less muscle tension, less irritability, right? Less issues with sleep, which is just better health. So mm-hmm. part of what we do is we really bond with people over that. Like I recognize taking medications is hard. They, they do come with side effects and not desirable ones. Let's get rid of them, right? Let's help normalize your mm-hmm. insulin response. Let's help you sleep a little bit better. Let's help you really feel healthy and thriving with your medication. Right? hmm and that's a worthy goal. Yeah. And it's, and,
0: and I love that because you're meeting people where they are. Cause I know a lot of people, they want to be off the meds because they hate the side effects. Right. And, but you can't really, you got to restore what that deficiency is to begin with, and, which is what you're saying. Um, can we talk for a minute about micronutrients? Do we have, I think we have time for that. Um, <laughs> I, I think we do just because I think I really would love to drive across the point that you can't create neurotransmitters without specific ingredients, right? It's like, if if you want to make a cake, you got to have the ingredients to make it rise. If you want to have healthy mental health, you have to have the ingredients to make the neurotransmitters at the gut level. Right? So can you break down just some basic needs that we should be including every day? And either one of you, I know both of you, seems like you're both passionate about this. (laughs) So either one can jump in.
1: Absolutely. I think the first thing I ask our teenagers is like, how do you make dopamine? And they're like, I don't know, soda? You know, and it's like, no, there's two (laughs) ingredients. Tyrosine, B6. You combine them. You put them through an enzymatic reaction. You have dopamine and that's it. You then add some vitamin C and you can transform that into adrenaline. If you aren't eating those nutrients in adequate amounts or absorbing them, you will not be able to make those neurohormones. It's just a fact. Same thing with serotonin. You need tryptophan, B12, B9 or folate and B6. So when we do our 80 data point nutrient analysis with people, we'll show them how much of these they're getting. But guys, if you're sitting at home and like, you know, that you underconsume protein, you're not taking a multivitamin. You have been told that you're B12 deficient. You are in the prime market to be feeling the effects of low serotonin and low dopamine, which would be some depression and some anxiety. And because we make melatonin from serotonin, some sleep issues. And inflammation issues as well, because melatonin is one of our most powerful antioxidants. To convert glutamate, which is a very excitatory neurotransmitter involved in mania. To convert that to GABA, which is very calming, helps you sleep. You need B6. Vitamin B6 is the number one nutrient deficiency in the US.
0: It's my favorite vitamin to talk about. So go on.
1: (laughs) It's, It's huge. Top source of it is garbanzo beans, chickpeas. If you're eating your hummus probably like a half a cup of it. You're okay. <laughs> if you're not, you probably need a supplement. Um, but the thing about the human body is there's really only 80 nutrients that make or break human health. There's over 500 enzymatic reactions that we perform every single day. So we reuse a lot of nutrients for multiple purposes. It's why when you finally give someone enough of something, mm-hmm. multiple areas of their health improve at once, right? Because you don't just need B6 for mm-hmm. gas. You also need it for dopamine. You also need it for serotonin. So just with that one ingredient, you mm-hmm. can revolutionize somebody's life. And that's, what's the most fun, I think for me to see mm-hmm. when I'm yeah. dealing with. this.
0: Yeah. And I'm living proof of that. Like that's absolutely what happened to me. I was on the birth control pill for a long time, which massively depletes B6. I talked about that on a po- podcast episode a few episodes ago. Um, and then just not getting magnesium. I was probably, I don't have lab data to prove. I was probably deficient in magnesium folate. My MCV is always, you know, over 90 on lab work, which is kind of a fun telltale sign there. Um, But yeah, like I, when I finally added in the right supplements and I did just start with supplements, I know we say, Oh, let's start with food, but I needed the supplements to just at least get me on the right path. It was a game changer for my brain. And I was able within six months, I was able to get off of medications. I've been on for 18 years. This is Not something I recommend for people to do without being under the care of, a a well, you know, somebody, a practitioner who is going to walk you through this. Don't do this alone. But I I just think people need to hear that when your body is given the right tools, it can start doing some amazing things. So um, I love that you mentioned that. And then Rachel, let's talk about movement because there's a new study out. I don't know if you saw the meta-analysis, how they um, said that. Exercise is now showing to be 1.5 times more beneficial than, uh, talk therapy or medication for depression, anxiety, which is probably no surprise to you, (laughs) but, um, can you just give an overview since we kind of touched on the micronutrients a little bit of the benefits of moving your body for brain health?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just getting your blood moving in general is going to make your brain fire in a different capacity than if you're sedentary, right? So even just intentional movement, it doesn't have to be an exercise. You don't need to be doing some vigorous activity at the gym. It can just be something intentional. So anytime that your brain has to focus on something and execute an actual task, hence movement, stretching, breathing in a particular way, right, it gets a different part of your brain to actually fire. And the more that that muscle can flex itself, then the more it can communicate appropriately. That's another big issue is that if our brain is not firing at the right capacity or communicating to itself in the right way, then all these things like talk therapy, they're not going to sink in. It's not going to really click. Um, That's where I think, especially with trauma, why EMDR is so effective because it's realigning the brain to be able to communicate to one another Mm -hmm. in a way that's actually beneficial and long lasting. Right. So, again, why we want to reboot with the micronutrients is to be able to actually have brain capacity to be able to process the things we're doing in therapy Same thing with movement. So anytime that you're moving, drinking water, I know I talk about that way too much, but another thing kind of in combination, it makes your blood move in a way that's actually beneficial. Mm -hmm. And then it fires up the brain and it just recycles itself. So I think that's another reason it's just, it's so important. And again, it does not have to be something vigorous. I think people think of movement as like, I have to go to the gym. I have to work out you know, that's not even the first thing I would ever tell somebody to do, even just sitting and breathing, having that intentional mind body mm-hmm. connection, it can just, it can change your life. And then moving that to stretching, moving that to just walking. I mean, something that's intentional. I, I cannot stress that enough because I think that's the thing. That's the key, right? Cause that's the experience. How many people go to the gym, go for a walk, whatever it might be. And they're racing in their mind. Mm. They're not even present in the experience that they're having. Totally you can move all day long. I have so many clients that eat the right thing, or they are always working out, but they're severely depressed and anxious. It's because you can't just do the behavior, right? There has to be a mind body connection or else it's not going to sink in. It's not going to register. If your brain is not being challenged in a different way, it's not sustainable. Hence why people are in therapy forever because they're not actually changing the experience. They might be checking the boxes, but if you don't change the experience, Mm -hmm. then what are we doing?
0: Yeah. And we love to check the boxes. So it's interesting that you, I mean, I, I was a runner for a good 14 years and I liked it because I could just check out. I was like a dissociating runner, right? Like I'm, I'm doing what I think is supposed to be good for me and my brain and my body and all this, but I'm actually not present in my body at all. And that's not what we want because then how are we going to be the best health advocates for our bodies? So I think you bring up a really good point about that connection. That's super important. And I love, I, I would love to see a flow chart or like just some kind, not a flow chart. I don't know what kind of chart it is like a circle, like a big circle with arrows with what you just said. You said you need the micronutrients so that you can even really get the most bang for your buck with therapy, right? So that your brain is <laughs> processing and thinking clearly you do have to have that, but then you also process with the movement. And so I, I, I would love to see that just like kind of, you know, in some chart form for people to get a clear picture. I, I think that this is a good picture of that whole body approach that you guys are taking.
1: Yeah. I think it's funny because I get made fun of, I used to have a big picture of a guy, like just the cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. In my office, it looked like a naked person because they had no skin, <laughs> right? But and like I'm obsessed with the cardiovascular system because that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Think about it, right? How do you get nutrients to your brain? Through your blood. They don't diffuse through your skin. You don't like breathe them in and they get there, right? Your blood takes nutrients from your gut across the the gut blood barrier, and delivers them all the way up to your brain tissue. If you don't have enough fluid in your blood or you are not circulating that fluid, none of it will get to the the farthest parts of your brain. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's that basic, but like when we're talking about this connection, a lot of it is your bloodstream and what's in your bloodstream and our veins don't have a pump. Mm -hmm. So this is why we have valves in our veins and not our arteries. So like you have to move to move a lot of your blood and your lymph and circulate all the nutrients. We're working so hard to get for people. Mm -hmm. So it's cute because the people are like, Oh my God, Kate's showing me the cardiovascular system again, but I'm like, it matters Mm -hmm. for mental health. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, I, I love that picture, that mental picture. And hopefully I think that this is a good way to get, you know, people on board with this idea that you need it all. We need all of these parts. And you mentioned, um, lymphatic system. Can you just touch on that just real briefly? I think that that's something we don't talk about a lot. And why is it important to move the lymph? As you said, (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: we have lymph nodes all over our body and they tend to be around our veins. So they kind of travel together with our veins. So our arteries bring blood from our heart out to our tissue. So they pump blood from the heart out to the tips of your fingers, tips of your toes, tips of your brain, your veins bring blood back to your heart. And along those venous pathways, you have lymph. Your lymph doesn't move on its own. It doesn't have a pump. You have to pump it. So when you like tense up your muscles, for example, you create a lot of pressure in different compartments of your body. So your arm, that pressure will create backflow so that your lymph starts to pump back towards your heart where it can then be dumped into your liver. Your liver will process that lymphatic fluid and remove waste and toxins. And then that either, you'll either excrete it through your digestive tract or your urinary tract or sweat it out. That's how we detoxify. Detox has become this kind of trendy word. And I feel like it's almost been co-opted in our society where you feel like you need to drink a detox tea or you need to like take a detox supplement. Your lymph, your liver, your kidneys are detoxing you all day long if you're moving, if you're hydrated, and if you have the right nutrients. And it's incredibly important for somebody who's trying to heal from an inflammatory condition, especially a neuroinflammatory condition, that you clear out your lymph so that your body is not reacting to waste products that are just building up and not being excreted.
0: Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yes. Thank you for explaining that because you're right. It is detoxing is super trendy and (laughs) it's just a buzzword, just like inflammation is kind of even a buzzword right now, but, but to understand what it actually is, the purpose is and how it supports our whole body health, I think is important. So we are running out of time. So I'd love to ask you guys uh, my favorite question. You can go whatever order, but the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would that be?
2: I think first and foremost, asking the question, what do you want? What would help you thrive? And what would thriving look like is a really good question. I like to ask to at least pinpoint what the vision is, because if you can have a vision, then you can fill in the blanks. But if you don't ask the question of what is your vision, what do you want, what would help you thrive, then you're never going to start answering the question and you're going to continue to give in to these buzzwords or these other, you know, crash course things that are not sustainable. Um, So I think, yeah, asking the bigger picture question would be my recommendation.
1: My one thing is if you do not check, you cannot know. So if you either don't check on your nutrient intake or you don't run labs, you can't know what's going on in your body. And so having that insight is so powerful. We've talked Mm -hmm. about it multiple times through our conversation, right? Learning that you're low in B6, learning that you're low in magnesium, fixing that sets you free. Mm -hmm. If you don't check, you can't know, do yourself a favor and partner up with someone who can help you check.
0: Yeah. And that, which leads to give me your website and all the information for how to get in contact with what you guys are doing. You're, you focus mostly on the East coast, correct, but you can also zoom virtual as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can absolutely do virtual, but we're right now we're on the East Coast in four different states. Um, our main number is the same for all of our locations. So it's 610 344 9600. And then our website is today.com and it's S A N A R E today.com.
0: Yeah. And this is, I mean, if you are in crisis, if you need immediate attention, and you, are, or you just have mystery symptoms that nobody has been able to get to the bottom of the medical detective team is there. (laughs) Right. Um, I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And I, I believe so strongly that there's a need for that all over the country everywhere. Um, and I think this is really probably just the beginning of, of hopefully a movement that's going to be happening all over. So, um, thank you so much for, for being on the show today.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: And before we end today's episode, I want to make sure and add that while Dr. Kate and Rachel are happy to help people who are in urgent situations, they do not run a 24 hour call line and they want to make sure that people know where to get immediate help. So if you are experiencing a health crisis, please contact your local crisis hotline and get the support that you need there. This episode does not take the place of any medical advice that you would receive from your practitioner. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze, and I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at Wholeness. Have a fabulous week.